This is a production of NTEU Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a retiree, but I do volunteer work communication-wise for NTEU Chapter 49. And we want to welcome you to our weekly podcast. And I also want to welcome Duncan Giles, our president of Chapter 49. Always great to talk to you. And we do have some serious uh, subjects to talk about today. Good to be here as always, Larry. And absolutely, we do. Well, let's start off with the presidential inauguration. It is Wednesday. It is uh, one thing I found interesting is that legally, even if the uh, like the ceremony gets delayed in some manner, uh, still the presidential power technically shifts at noon on Wednesday, even if the, the incoming president uh, is a bit late in taking uh, the actual oath of office. But that's when power will uh, transfer. I'm told the uh, incumbent president has already let it be known that he will be leaving that morning. He will not even be in Washington as the inauguration is going up. But Vice President Pence apparently will be on hand for the inauguration. Also, I just found out as we are beginning to record this, and we are recording this at midday on January 15th, that the entire National Mall will be in a virtual lockdown. And anybody who's ever visited Washington, D.C. and been to the National Mall, that is a gigantic physical place. I mean, it's just huge. So uh, the decision to do that meant that there are certainly threats, the Secret Service and the Park Service, and all the security people are concerned about. So, Duncan, I sort of like your thoughts on uh, the inauguration that is uh, set for this coming Wednesday. Yeah, I've been uh, very concerned and wanted to make sure that, you know, National NTU has been talking to IRS, uh, Federal Protective Services, FPS, um, to make sure things are okay nationally. But I've really been aggressive in uh, asking for briefings locally, wanting to be kept updated on things that might impact anything here in the state of Indiana. And I know that people who've known me for quite a while are very surprised that I'm aggressive when I ask for things like that. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but every indication that I have uh, and that has that uh, Federal Pro Protective Services has, uh, the IRS has, is that there are no indications of anything going to happen um, or plan to be happening to federal buildings in the state of Indiana. They've gotten no chatter about that. Regardless, though, there is still going to be an updated security for this. I'm not going to go into the details, but specifically in federal buildings, they will be having an enhanced presence to make sure just in case. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I just have a couple of observations I'd like you to comment on. Number one is that uh, at least in Indianapolis, I know that uh, the, the uh, federal courthouse just down the street from the Minton Capehart building isn't even having in-person jury trials until at least April and maybe not after that. Uh, there are very few people working in that building. There are very few people working in Minton Capehart, should be noted, 
that the local Secret Service office is located in the Minton Capehart building. But uh, leaving that aside, I do, uh, I'm aware of the fact that you are one of the few people working from IRS in that building. There are some others. I did talk to one person uh, who spends about two days a week at the Minton Capehart building, and this person's manager uh, basically said, don't even come in the week of the inauguration. Do you think that's just being extra careful or what? Uh, I guess the question is, uh, if we had the full workforce at Minton Capehart, it uh, might be one thing, but with the, the lowered number of people generally, and maybe even lower than that for next week, uh, I would have to think that uh, the, the chances of, of anything happening are very low. Your thoughts? That is exactly my thought. I don't think that um, Indiana as a whole is much of a strategic target. But then again, we didn't think Oklahoma City was much of a strategic target either. So we just don't we don't want to discount anything that, you know, that some of these folks that are out here with these uh, these domestic terrorists. And that's what I'm going to call them uh, might have planned. I am going to be here all next week. I'm going to be here in the building as I have been all next week because I'm not letting anybody run me out of here. I'm going to be here for our employees. I'm not being foolhardy. I'm not taking extra chances. I'm saying I'm not going to let them change my life, change my work schedule, change the things that I need to do. Well, you mentioned Oklahoma City, and uh, that goes back to when I was working at the Minton, Minton Capehart building. And I remember there, uh, there was a liberal leave policy at that the day after because people were scared. And uh, there were a lot of rumors. Timothy McVeigh had not even been arrested at that point. So we didn't know, he, you know who was responsible specifically. And I do remember a lot of people who just said, I'm leaving the building. You know, I had the same thought you did. Uh, I again, I was, I was, uh, I think I was vice president at the chapter. No, I was running for vice president and become vice president yet. And uh, I just knew the people. I knew that in those days we had the district, the district director, the assistant director. I knew what they were doing uh, in terms of security, and I knew that they were very, very uh, vigilant about that. So I had no problem staying. And I, I just decided, you know, I'm not going to live my life in fear. I do believe that. There are people here who are doing their jobs, and I'm safe. That's one of the safest places I could be. But I think, you know, when people start worrying about this, sometimes it's the worry that's worse than the reality. So I guess uh, everyone has to make their own decisions on that. I'm glad to hear you're going to be there because by being there physically, uh, you can give us a read on, on what's happening. And I know a lot of people. Uh, 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 get your emails, and, and of course, we use our, our chapter um, Facebook page, which is NTEU Chapter 49 Indiana, if you want to search for it. And uh, we'll use that sometimes as a way of getting your message out as well if people are maybe not on duty particularly and not close to their email system. So basically what I'm hearing you say is uh, the security has been uh, something that has been discussed and is being acted upon and that you at this point feel that the federal authorities in, in, in the state of Indiana are doing everything they can to secure the locations that are open. Am I hearing you say that? Uh, that's very correct. The, uh, between the SCR organization, uh, the uh, facilities part of the IRS, security part of the IRS, 
we've all been of one mind wanting to make sure that everything is that should be being done is being done. Let's err on the side of caution. Let's make sure that everybody is safe. Everybody is pulling together. And FPS has been very upfront with us about what's going on, what steps they're taking, what other agencies they're involving. And I, I think that we're going to be fine. But I, would I advise other employees to come down to the federal building if they didn't have a necessary absolute need to on Wednesday or perhaps Thursday or Friday, depending upon how Wednesday goes? I probably wouldn't advise it for them. But as you said, everybody makes their own decision. But for me, I'm going to be here to make sure that for IRS employees in the state of Indiana, I'm on top of everything and able to figure out and make sure that everything's being taken care of as it should be. One more comment on this for me. I was reading uh, this morning on the Internet. There are two uh, very respected polls that came out today, one from Washington Post ABC News and the other from the Pew Research Center, both very respected polling organizations that are used there. And it's very clear from those polls that it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 9 out of 10 Americans say they are not with these people who rioted at the Capitol. So if you hear anybody say that, uh, you know, these rioters have support in the country, of course some people do, but to say that they they have support of most people uh, the polling is is even if the polling's a bit off, that's a that's a huge poll number. So uh, just a comment from me. Okay, let's let's move on and uh, we let's talk about the COVID situation and weather and safety leave or what's called WSL in the IRS lingo and government lingo uh, is beginning to end now and and. Uh, we all knew this was going to happen at some point. You and I have talked about that ever since it was uh, it was enacted. But I, I think the real issue here that uh, with this ending is that as it ends, it just brings up a whole list of questions and issues. Uh, could you just kind of give some of the major issues that NTU is going to be dealing with as people who have been on weather and safety leave face the uh, this situation where they're going back to work, uh, I guess it'll be in an IRS facility because they can't work at home. So please uh, talk about what's going on there. Yeah, it's going to be quite the change for those that are on WSL and do not have portable work or are unable to telework for whatever reason. Um, Social distancing will be enforced for those that are coming back. And I've heard people say that, well, you know, I have a medical condition and I'm high risk and I understand and totally agree with that. IRS via Treasury is saying that they're calling back all essential personnel that are on WSL. And amazingly enough, that's everybody on WSL. And that they're saying that there's going to be an extremely high bar for people to be able to get out of that. And they're basically going to need a note from their doctor saying, if you come back to work in a building that, you know, could possibly make you exposed to COVID-19, you will catch it and you could die. Not could be catching it, not at a higher risk. A doctor would have to sign a statement and be prepared to be questioned by federal occupational health, FOH, who the IRS contracts with to say, 
you are going to catch it and you could die because of it. So well, because of that high bar, it's going to be very difficult for anybody on WSL to to hurdle that. Then you come in with the child care issues for because there are a great many school districts that are still doing uh, virtual learning because it's not safe for the kids to go back to school or the teachers or administrators. What happens there? That's where, you know, a lot of people need to take a look seriously if they haven't before at the possibility of doing telework. And if they can't telework, they're going to need to talk to management about possibly a Maxiflex schedule where they can arrange to take some time to uh, be home at certain times with their children. But it's going to be a tough battle for just about everybody that's on WSL. Yeah, and that's uh, – let me go back, though, to that term, that word essential, because the word essential has different meanings. For example, if we have a government shutdown, people who are essential are working – and, you know, there are not a whole lot of IRS employees who are working that are considered essential during that setting. Yet, in this framework, you're all essential working at IRS. So I think that creates a lot of confusion. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah, there's uh, essential is a very elastic word when it comes to IRS. It can stretch just about in any way that they think necessary. And it's, it's very tough to figure out who is essential when. And when it's a shutdown, nobody is being paid at that point. Due to previous uh, bills passed in Congress, we know we will get paid, but we're not paid at the current time. During this period, during a pandemic, when people are on WSL, everybody is getting paid. So basically what they're saying is, is we believe the conditions are decent enough in the post of duty and we're taking enough precautions that you can come in without a over-exaggerated fear of catching COVID-19 due to being in a post of duty. Wow. (laughs) Elastic is a nice way to put that because I think when you hear the term I'm essential, it has many different meanings depending on the context. So I just wanted you to spend a minute on that. And that was a, that was a very good explanation. Um, and, and the whole child care issue, I think there's one part of it that we have to admit. IRS doesn't have a lot of authority to make exceptions in this area. Uh, you know, people are supposed to ha- arrange for their own child care. Now, in this environment, child care is not as available as it was before. So I think even management, and I know IRS and NTU have talked about this extensively at the national level, but there really uh, isn't a lot IRS could do if they wanted to in this area. I think that's the biggest issue people need to know. Yeah, I I totally agree. There, We think that there are some things, but they're very minor that IRS could do. But for the vast majority, you know, people are think, saying, well, you know, there was that 80 hours of leave that we could take. Yes, there was the, you know, the emergency leave to care for children that are, you know, school-aged children. That did not, that expired on December 31st. And when they passed the second COVID bill, that was not included. So when people call me about it, I literally tell them it would take an act of Congress to do this, to literally get that back. So if people are saying I shouldn't have to go back on WSL, off of WSL, 
it's not fair, it's not right. I totally agree with you. There are a lot in IRS management that would agree with you. But unfortunately, unless Congress passes something that changes that, there's nothing that NTEU or the IRS can do. Yeah, and I think the, from the management point of view, and as you know, I, I spend time with what you described as the dark side, working for management. I, I would think that the management has an interest in trying to preserve its workforce in this environment. I think if there was something they could do, they would make an effort to do it. Uh, but right now, yeah. it's just it's just not available. So we'll just have to leave it at that. And uh, I think, you know, what what people might want to do is just contact you or their local steward and, and just see if there might be some other ways to work this. Like you said, MaxiFlex may be good for some people, maybe not all, uh, but that is an option you can discuss with the management. So I think the best thing to do is be creative and do the best you can within the confines of the law that we have. So I think we can leave it at that, unless you have something else to add. No, it's, it's we'll explore every option, whether it's possibly leave without pay, taking your own leave, things of that nature. Happy to talk with you, happy to talk with management to see what we can do to accommodate you. But the the options are going to be limited. You've mentioned telework two or three times already, and that's where people are largely working in Indiana right now. So the rumor mill has started to, as it always does, is revved up again. And the latest rumor is that telework is coming to an end. Now, if that were to happen, that would have major implications. So tell us, what, uh, what if any, uh, is there any substance to this rumor? No. In a, in a word, no. Right now, um, nationally, and, this, and National NTU uh, has weekly calls with IRS, and they are extremely good about asking IRS questions that we as the chapters bubble up. Uh, our national negotiator, uh, head of national negotiations, Ken Moffat, who's been on our podcast, as well as uh, Doreen Greenwald, who is the assistant to national president, Tony Reardon, who's also been with us, uh, are very, very good about taking our concerns and asking IRS these questions and pressing them on it. And as of Wednesday, two days ago, when they had their call, there was absolutely nothing that has been discussed or foreseen about when this mandatory telework will be ending. So right now it's open-ended while this pandemic is raging. How long that'll last, we don't know, but it's not anywhere in the immediate future that it's going to end. Well, that uh, brings up an issue which to which I'm sure you do not have an answer, nor does anyone, but I think it should be in the back of our minds because it's going to become an issue as, as this pandemic tamps down with, with vaccines available over time. And that's this. What will happen, there are going to be two groups of people who have done telework now and have never, let's say, done it before. The one group is, I love this. Let me stay on it. I want to stay on it forever. There'll be another group that says, please get me back into the office. <laughs> I can't take it at home. I got a neighbor that works at home, and she just said, I can't wait to get back to the office. Well, she still hasn't been back, and that was months ago. So, uh, and then there are a few people in the middle who say, well, I might like to telework a certain number of days. So I'm curious about how management is going to be in terms of their stance. Uh, there is going to be a national agreement negotiation coming up in the coming months, I believe, and you can clarify that. But, 
but uh, I think this whole idea of choice amongst employees, and how do you think that's going to work out? I mean, I, we don't have an answer yet, but just based on your experience and, and what you've seen so far, uh, do you think there'll be a choice for employees on the telework issue as, as the offices begin to open up? I would certainly hope so. The reason that we've always had people have to report to their telework location twice in a pay period is for the fact of locality pay because they wanted to make sure that they were based there and not where their home is because depending upon where the home is and where the office is, that could make a difference in your pay. I think that during this pandemic, that one has been pretty well laid to rest. I would hope OPM under, uh, under new management, so to speak, will be more amenable to taking a look at that. The second part is going to be uh, places like the folks who are at the call site who are now working telework. And I'm sure management is going to be pushing for those folks to largely come back into the office because they were resistant to telework uh, for a long, long time. And I was very involved in that for many years. And my thought on that is that's sort of like putting, trying to put the genie back in the bottle. It's already out. It's already been proven that these folks can work from home. So why wouldn't you allow them to continue to do so? So I know that's my opinion. I can tell you for a fact that's national offices opinion for NTEU. And that's exactly what we're going to be pushing for in the short and the long term. All right. So I, I would have to think that would be an issue in the negotiations coming up now that we've had all this experience for a national contract. Is that a, would you say that's accurate? I would say that's absolutely accurate. And when do those talks begin? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't right have it. Now a t- <laughs> it's been put off. It was supposed to start last winter or uh, the end of last year. But due to COVID-19, we agreed to extend it into the spring. Now, when will they start again? Will they be, you know, we've always done these negotiations in person. And I think that's a very valuable thing to have because it's much easier to come to a deal there than it is virtually. In my experience, National NTU may have a different take on it. That's just mine. But when those negotiations may start, we still don't have a date yet but I would anticipate that in the coming months. Okay, so there will be talks. It should have happened last year, and it's not entirely a bad thing at NTU's part that we'll, uh, we'll be having those negotiations this year compared to last. We'll get into all those reasons. You can guess them, I would suppose. Uh, all right, so let's move on, and uh, I guess the, the here's something that is uh, a bit confounding. Uh, one thing that n- needs to happen to know where you stand at any point in COVID is to get a test. I know in the city where I live, Fishers, Indiana, you can have a free test once every two weeks. Uh, All of the businesses located in Fishers can get a test for their employees at any time. There's a small fee for that, but a a regular citizen doesn't pay anything for that. Uh, There are other ways, and a lot of life, health insurance, rather, uh, will, will cover a lot of these tests. But you have to get tested to know where you stand, whether you're, if, if, if you're symptomatic, certainly if you're asymptomatic but been exposed, you need to do that. But what I'm hearing is that at this point in time, 
that IRS says it does not have the legal authority to grant administrative time for COVID tests. Tell us what that's all about. That's absolutely correct. IRS is saying that that is just like anything else. If you want to get a test, if, you know, once it really starts rolling out, if you want to get a vaccine, those are going to be done on your own time. They are not going to allow for administrative time for those tests or that vaccine shot. We have pushed that pretty hard nationally and continue to do so. Um, but right now that IRS is saying that per treasury, they can't do that. Again, with a new administration coming in, with new leaders possibly coming in that are directing things at places like OPM that gives the uh, federal agencies their marching orders, might that change? It's possible. But if it does and when it does, nobody knows. But as of right now, it's going to be on your own time, your own sick leave or your own um, your own annual leave, credit hours, what have you. Now, will the man, if you're out of leave and you need to get a test, will the man, has the management at least committed to giving people a leave without pay if necessary? We haven't heard that yet, but if that comes up and somebody's getting resistance, I would urge them to call myself, call Chief Steward Gail Groves or your favorite local steward so we can address that with management because that would be very penny wise and pound foolish on their part. And I have no hesitation in saying we'd be able to make them see the light uh, here in the state of Indiana. And it should be noted that this is one reason that uh, would be, it, it's, it's, how should I put it? We have an incentive to, for the Senate to start confirming uh, president, uh, new president, uh, incoming president Biden's uh, appointees, not the least of which would be the ones at Treasury the secretary and the assistant secretaries, because they'll have a lot to say about this issue. Okay. Yes, they will. <laughs> and, okay. Um, here's something else that uh, I think we all need to talk about to wrap this, uh, wrap this up, because there are, this whole idea of the vaccine uh, has two different angles to it for IRS, because I've been reading in the federal employee uh, news uh, sites that there are some agencies that are vaccinating their employees at a rapid rate, a veterans Administration comes to mind and some of the uh, the others that are dealing with health. Uh, even though IRS has personnel that does meet with people in person in our exam and collection uh, segments and certainly in our taxpayer assistance centers, there's no program right now to get IRS in line at all as an agency for uh, the vaccination. But the other side of that coin is that there are people who are already contacting you wanting to know whether or not IRS will require a vaccination at some point. So let's start with the first part of that. Last time you and I talked, there was no indication IRS was even on the list, much less up on a list, of groups to receive the vaccination outside our other health risks, age, that kind of thing. Is that still the case today? Yes, it is. Per uh, some frequently asked questions that were just added either last night or today. Um, the IRS has said that they do not have access to uh, be in line for any of the vaccines. Therefore, they won't be giving them. And, you know, you have to wonder, too, if, if you're not in the uh, IRS facility that has access to a 
licensed medical professional, a health unit. It's like, okay, who who would be giving these shots? You know, I, I don't think a man, you'd want a manager to give a shot. I don't think the managers would want to give a shot. So oh, no. I understand some of <laughs> the logistics of this. Yeah, I do I, understand yeah. that. Yeah. But for, as you said, for our people that go out and interact with the public, you would think that we would try and do something to make sure that they are going to be uh, taken care of somewhere on the list. We're not going to be where, you know, we want the medical professionals to get theirs first. We want the seniors to be able to get theirs. We understand that. But we would have hoped that we would have been somewhere in the pecking order. And as of uh, today, we are not anywhere in it. So on the other side of that, Quinn, I see the Indiana legislature has a, a bill pending uh, that would uh, uh, allow, how should I put this, uh, would not allow employers to require a vaccination to come to work. I'm not sure how the employers are going to react to that because they would probably want that to make that decision. But, uh, of course, it meant that state law may or may not impact IRS in this, this manner, but you've already had questions coming to you about whether IRS will require the vaccination if people start coming back into the workplace. Is there anything new on that front? Well, first off, from the state legislature, God bless them, but if they can't get their act together enough to know to wear masks while they're meeting or have people coming into the state house wear masks, they shouldn't be legislating anything on who should or shouldn't be giving uh, vaccinations or getting them. Um, there is no, and again, this was also recently in the frequently asked questions, but I just want to make sure everybody understands this and it's very clear. There is no way that IRS is going to say to people, you have to get a vaccination. If they would happen to want that for bargaining unit employees, that would absolutely be a change in working conditions and would have to be negotiated. And I can tell you right now that National NTU would be extremely mindful of people that would say, hey, look, I'm not an anti-vax person, but I want to make sure that this is safe and we don't know what the side effects are and I want to hold off on taking them. So those types of things would be in consideration. But as of right now, it isn't even being contemplated to force IRS employees, bargaining unit at the very least, and I'm sure right now NBU, to have to take the vaccination. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the Indiana legislature. I have a couple of friends of mine who are reporters who cover the state house. And uh, one of those reporters is Lindsay Erdoti, who writes for the Indianapolis Business Journal. And she did a, an excellent story today where uh, she started asking, because they had a, a group of anti-vaxxers, and they, are, they say they are that. They refused to wear masks, and they were running around the state house, And people were starting to ask, well, who's supposed to enforce this edict by the governor that you must wear a mask in the state house? So she asked the governor, didn't get an answer. Talked to the uh, Senate pro tem, didn't exactly get an answer. Talked to the House, uh, uh, the Speaker of the House, who said, well, we'll have to talk to Capitol Police. They have their own Capitol Police force. So the answer is, nobody's enforcing it. <laughs> so, and, <I> <laughs> and that happens in federal buildings as well. Yeah, yeah. And there's, we have problems mm-hmm. with, in here in the Mitten Capehart building, I've had issues with people. I have not seen anybody IRS, but non-IRS federal employees who've walked around here without masks. And it's extremely difficult to figure out who's going to enforce that. Is it going to be GSA, who's really not here because they're working from home? 
and they haven't given Federal Protective Services, FBS, uh, the duty to do that. So it's it's widespread on who's going to enforce this unless there is some actual penalty to these mandates. Well, Duncan, time goes quickly when you're having such a good time. Uh, some of the subjects were fine. Some were not, as usual. But uh, we filled up our 30 minutes and more without uh, too much <laughs> too much difficulty. I'll once again give you uh, the opportunity to give us a final word or two before we wrap this up. I just want everybody, especially in these turbulent times, to be safe. Be mindful of others. Be safe. Don't take chances. If you see something that, especially around a federal facility or even if people know you're a federal employee, if you see something off, report that. Make sure they take a look at it because, you know, everything else can be replaced. People cannot be replaced. I want everybody to be here. I want every, you know everybody to be safe, so I can't urge that strongly enough. Well, you just heard the voice of Chapter 49 President Duncan Giles, and this uh, wraps up our weekly podcast, the Chapter 49 podcast. My name is Larry Landon. I'm the host, and I uh, will wrap this up as I always do by asking all of you listening to please be kind and be safe. <laughs>